Well, as we begin our study through the Psalms today, go ahead and turn to Psalm 66. And while you're turning there, let me just give a shout out to my wife. Today, March the 17th, is her birthday. And uh, I can't do anything, uh, uh, words fail me uh, to express how much I love my wife and how thankful I am for her. Uh, she is the greatest, loudest, most powerful voice in my life apart from God himself. She is the one who encourages me and strengthens me. She is the one who has uh, persevered along with me and has forgiven me more than anyone else except for God. Uh, she is my soul mate, and she is my helper. Uh, she is my strength. And so, uh, happy birthday, honey. Thank you uh, for loving me even uh, when I don't deserve it and showing me what God's love really looks like. Uh, well, Psalm 65 is a psalm, uh, Psalm 66 is a psalm about worship. And what we're going to do tonight is we're just going to take a trip through corporate worship and we're going to use this medium, uh, this, uh, uh, this uh, online medium, for all of us to take some time to worship the Lord. So as we go through each of these points, uh, I want you to uh, use the chat function in, uh, uh, in, 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 your, in the platform you're using, uh, if it's uh, uh, Facebook or, or online or whatever. Uh, go ahead and use the comment section and, and, and join me in worshiping God. Now, uh, the beauty of worship is God himself. The beauty of worship is not the sounds or the songs or the smells. The beauty of worship is God himself. One of the things that we get confused about is we somehow have identified a certain sound to worship. Now those sounds and the and and the liturgy and the uh, uh, and the lyrics of our worship are important. I'm not saying that's not important. I'm just saying what we do sometimes because of our own failings uh, as human beings is we start replacing the uh, God with the lyrics or God with the liturgy and. And, and the lyrics and the liturgy and the sounds and the songs and even the smells is only supposed to point us to the beauty of worship, who is God himself. What the psalmist does in Psalm 66 is he leads us on this journey where our focus is once again on God, where we see the beauty of who he is. Now, we're going to have several points that we're going to look at, but, but really this song, and it is a worship song, this song is divided into two parts two parts. The first part is verses 1 through 12, and that is corporate. Uh, everything that happens from verse 1 to verse 12 is the corporate aspect of worship. All the people gathered together declaring praise and, and, and love and adoration to God. Uh, verses 13 through, uh, uh, through the end of uh, verse 20 uh, is personal. That's where we make worship a personal journey. Worship to God is both corporate and it is personal. Uh, personal worship must join in the corporate praise and worship of God, and corporate worship should fuel the personal worship. Uh, this is so, uh, so very important for us, especially in this season of, of COVID and, and all the things that it's done. And, and, and many of you that are watching tonight, you haven't been to the corporate setting of worship uh, for over a year. And, and I know you miss it, and I know you long to be here. Um, I, I, it's fuel for the soul. It, it is an essential ingredient in who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. 
you show me a person who says, I don't need corporate worship, and I'll show you a person who either is not a follower of Jesus or he or she is an immature, wilting follower of Jesus. God made us to gather together in corporate worship. We were, where we set our focus on glorifying God, exalting His Savior, being led by His Spirit so that we might praise Him corporately. And it becomes fuel for our personal worship. So as we look at this psalm, uh, I, I want us to take this journey, the journey uh, of how God uh, uses uh, worship to open our eyes to see our relationship with Him, and see our relationship uh, with the world, and to see us as we really are. Uh, through worship, corporate and personal, we see God more clearly. We see ourselves more clearly, which can be a frightening thing. And we see the world around us more clearly. Um, in seeing Him, we see ourselves, and we see others. Um, so join me this evening in this journey of worship. And the first thing we must do in this journey of worship is to praise the Lord of glory. I want you to hear verses 1 through 4, and then we're going, to, uh, we're going to take some time for you to actually type out some praise. Okay, Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. I, I'm always amused by people who say worship should be pensive or uh, uh, quiet or uh, meditative. And certainly should. There is an element of worship where silence, we saw it last Week in Psalm 65, it says, I will wait silently or, or calmly. Uh, praise is waiting for you in silence. What, how can praise be silence? Well, sometimes the loudest praise is in silence. Uh, but it is not universally the way it should be. This, this idea that worship should be somber. Yeah, I mean, there's a place for that, but. <laughs> For those who say worship should be universally quiet and somber and, and, and have that, uh, no, I mean, there is an element of worship corporately that should include the song and even the dance. Here, uh, make a shout. That's a ringing cry. It's, it's what you do when you score a goal or a touchdown or uh, when you gain the victory or when you land on the moon or, or uh, when you win the war. That's, that's the shout. There's dancing in the streets. It, it is Times Square at the end of World War II where all the people gathered together and there was singing and dancing and kissing and shouting. That's shouting to God with joy. And uh, when we worship, we need to have that kind of declaration of joy. So, uh, I'm sorry, that was free. Make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. One of the core components of followers of Jesus is that we give ourselves to praise God enthusiastically, um, even while others may oppose Him. We, we celebrate who God is, even in this world that is increasingly hostile toward Jesus Christ and the exclusive claims that He has made. We, however, as followers of Christ, we should... Um, Get louder 
about our praise to God. We, we praise Him, the, the Lord of glory. We celebrate His awesome works. And as we celebrate His awesome works, the world around us begins to hear, and many will begin to believe, and all will one day uh, stand before Jesus and knee, bend the knee before Him. Um, listen, make no mistake, there is a destination that this uh, timeline is headed toward. And that destination is before the throne of God Himself. And there will be a day, according to Philippians 2, where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee, every tongue. Every knee and tongue in heaven or on earth or even below the earth will declare their praise to Jesus Christ, the King. Uh, our hope, our journey, our work as followers of Jesus, as the church, is to get as many of those voices declaring their allegiance and praise to the Lord of glory before it's too late, before there is that point of no return. Once we get to the end of time, the enemies of God will bend their knee before His throne. But it would be too late for them. Those who refuse to embrace Jesus will, uh, at the end of time, be forced to bend their knee to Jesus. But it will be too late for them. Our job is that we, as followers of Christ, as the church, we want to help as many people on this side of heaven bend the knee to Jesus, just as we have, um, and praise Him with our whole heart. The world is, uh, the, uh, is, is uh, uh, benefited uh, from the God who works awesome and mighty deeds. Um, the whole world will become the recipient of that blessing uh, one day. Today, it's our job to let the world know how great God is. So first, we praise the Lord of glory. Then, So right now, what I want you to do in, in, in the comment section, go ahead and type out your praise to the Lord of glory. What is it that you praise Him for? What, what are some of the awesome deeds that He has done in your life that you need to declare? That's what worship is. It's declaring the awesome deeds of a wondrous God. Uh, for me, He saved me. So go ahead and type that out. Um, Praise the Lord of glory. The second thing is an invitation to see what God has done. Verses 5 through 7, uh, the psalmist leads us on a journey to see uh, the wondrous works of God. This points us to the exodus out of Egypt. All right, so look, verse 5. Come and see the works of God. He is awesome in his doing toward the sons of men or to, toward humanity. He turned the sea into dry land. They went through the river on foot. There we will, we will rejoice in Him. He rules by His power forever. His eyes observe the nations. Do not let the rebellious exalt themselves. Selah. And so, what, 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 is, what is it that the psalmist is inviting us to do? Well, he's inviting us to see and to declare the exodus event. 
Now that Exodus event, he walks, uh, he, he, he makes the sea dry ground. He splits the sea so that the children of Israel could walk through on dry ground. But then he says they, they walk through the river. Uh, and that's the, uh, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the children of Israel came to the Jordan River. And, and, and in a repetition of the Exodus wandering, uh, of the Exodus through the Red Sea, uh, God parted the Jordan River so the children of Israel walked through the river on dry ground. And they entered the promised land. What is he talking about? What what is it? Well, I I think that part of what he's saying in verses 5 through 7 is, come see what God has done in times past. Look and see how he has rescued his people. Look and see how he rescued the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And and then uh, last week we, we were reading through our a Bible reading plan, and, and we, had, we're, we're, we were looking at that encounter between Pharaoh and Moses and God and the children of Israel. And, and a week ago, we were uh, looking and, and seeing how that God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage. That, that is the, uh, uh, the prototype, as it were, the, the prototype of how God brings deliverance because of his love. Um, but also there's this point that I think the psalmist wants us to get to, and it's uh, come see what mighty deeds God has done in your life. And see the, the exodus, not, not the exodus out of bondage in Egypt, but the exodus out of our sin. Um, that, that victory that Jesus Christ the King has provided for sinners like you and me, where he led us based upon the rescuing love of the living God. Jesus came and he died for our sin upon a cross and led us out of the wilderness that our sin had created into the very family of God. Come see the wondrous works that God has done and God is in the business of delivering his people because of love. And Jesus is the great, great rescuer who leads us every single day from here to heaven. But the first exodus for us is out of the chains of our sin that had separated us from God. And we celebrate, we celebrate all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is the one who has given us a voice to declare his praise. And that is the voice that we hear resounding in corporate worship. I've been rescued by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Will you add your voice? Will you add your voice to the other voices in corporate worship, this family of faith declaring how that Jesus has saved us. And the, uh, the model of that testimony in corporate worship is baptism itself. Baptism is that great testifier of all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We're the recipients of that love. And, 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 and through the Exodus, Jesus provides um, uh, every person... Uh, the opportunity to declare and to rejoice. Not only did he uh, lead us out of the cell of our shame and pain and distance from God into the family of God, but he also 
uh, rules by his power. Verse 7, that means that he is taking us here and now, step by step, from here to eternity. And he is leading us in other exoduses, other deliverances. Oh, see what God has done. So take some time even now and, and write in the comment section or the chat section, write down what God has done for you. Give testimony, declaration of how God has rescued you. So we praise the Lord of glory. We see what God has done. And the third thing is we bless God who saves. We bless the God who saves us. Look at verses 8 through 12. Oh, bless our God, you peoples. Make the voice of his praise to be heard, who keeps our soul among the living and does not allow our feet to be moved. For you, O God, have tested us. You've refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. You brought us out to rich satisfaction or fulfillment. The come and see invitation of uh, verses uh, 5 through 7 is followed by a call to bless God. It's not merely a call to bless God among the uh, children of Israel, but it's a call for all the nations to join in the doxology of praise to the God who saves. Now, looking uh, to the way God rescues us in day-to-day existence, we bless Him. God saves not just in the miracles He provides, but also in the daily guidance and the correction He offers. Throughout Scripture, the way God saves us is a witness to the world, and people begin to see that. We, we, we look at how He has rescued us. Now, I, I do want you to take note, verses 10 and 11 and, and 12. He says, you've tested us. You refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the net. You laid affliction on our backs. You've caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Now, these are the trials and the testings that we face. Sometimes, because of our rebellion against Him, God brings correction into our lives. Sometimes, God lets us go through the fires of circumstance and difficulty and danger and and challenge so that our faith might be set upon Him, so that we grow stronger as followers of Christ, so that that we become fearless, not not because of, of our ability, but because we're walking hand in hand with the one who has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Uh, there are many times when we walk through difficult circumstances uh, and, and, and not always because we're sinful or rebellious against God. We walk through difficult circumstances because God is testing and trying us and refining us as silver. And always, 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 always the end result of that testing time is that God then fills us with the rich satisfaction of life, of walking with Him. Of, of being embraced by Him, of growing more intimately connected to Him, we walk through those fires and waters and we find rich satisfaction in Him. Here is such a powerful picture of what corporate worship does. Corporate worship gives us voice to declare that 
God, I bless you because you have delivered me. I bless you because you have saved me. God, I bless you because even as I walked through the water and even as I walked through the fire, you were with me. Your hand was holding me. You were strengthening me. Your spirit was encouraging me. You were comforting me. You were refining me. You were making me more to be, uh, uh, making me to be more like Jesus. And, and so I give you praise. I bless you, oh God, because of your great love for me. Um, anybody that exercises know that you have to go through the pain to get the gain. And that's not merely muscle. Sometimes that's endurance. Uh, if you're a, a, a distance runner or even a casual runner, it's, it, you've got to go through the pain to get the gain. Uh, if you want to have a svelte, slim figure you, and 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 you want to do that, you got to go through the pain to get the gain. You, if you want to eat bowls and bowls and bowls and bowls of ice cream with chocolate and peanut butter on top, you've got you to have the pain before you get that gain. Uh, you, you've got to exercise, and you've got the sweat equity that I put in to every bowl of ice cream is uh, pretty significant and even more significant as I get older. Um, but in order to get that gain, I've got to go through the pain. Now, that's what God teaches us about our circumstances, about our struggles, about our difficulties, about our pain. I'm not trying to make light of your struggle. I'm not even trying to excuse it. I'm not even trying to explain it. I'm just telling you that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, bless God in the midst of your struggle, knowing that he is refining you, he is helping you, he is strengthening you, he is right there with you, he is the God who saves. So that at the end of the journey, you will always be able to say, God's led me through the waters and he's led me through the fire and now he satisfies my soul completely with himself. And today we, we, uh, uh, we see what we, we praise the Lord of glory and worship. We see what God has done. We bless God who saves. Right now in the comment or chat section of your social media platform or however you're watching this, will you, uh, will you declare blessing to God even for the struggles that you're facing? Even for the struggles that you're encountering. Instead of whining, uh, let's be winning. And the only way we get to winning from, uh, and, and not only be whining is through setting our hand in the hand of God and blessing Him, seeing the deliverance that He has down the road perhaps, or even right now. Maybe it's just around the corner. Um, but entrust yourself to God, even in this difficult day. All right, so uh, we bless the God who cares. And then, now that's corporate. That's, that's what the corporate setting is like. Now let's make our worship personal. This is verses uh, 13 through 20, and I'm not going to read all of it, but, uh, uh, but as the psalmist moves, there's a change in uh, pronouns. Now what I mean by that, up to verse 12, it is you and we and us. Now in verse 13, it is I and me. It, 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 it's a change. And, and the, the change is that worship is not only a corporate thing, it's also a personal thing. It is something that God does in us individually. In response to God's rescuing love, we're brought into worship with a personal declaration of thanksgiving and praise, corporate public praise over the glorious work of God, corporate public praise over the glorious work of God becomes the platform for our personal thanksgiving. We make our praise personal when we 
commit our faithfulness to service of our worship. Uh, Verse 13, he says, I'll go to your offering, I'll pay my vows. He's talking about uh, about our commitment to uh, the Lord of glory, our commitment to be faithful to God, our commitment to honor God with our lives. A, a, A New Testament passage where we find reference to this personal commitment, paying our vows, Romans 12, 1 and 2. The Apostle Paul says, uh, writes to the church in Rome, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship. And don't be conformed any longer to the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove that which is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. A living sacrifice. Present yourselves on the altar of worship as a living sacrifice. This is uh, how we personally worship, whether it's in a corporate setting or in, the, in our own prayer closet. We don't merely present our songs as sounds of worship. We don't merely present our minds as the playground of praise. We don't merely present our Sundays as a singular moment of our devotion to Jesus Christ. But rather, we lay our bodies before God as an offering to Him. We give Him every aspect of our lives as a sacrifice for His glory. We give Him everything that we are, our work, our play, our relationships. We present everything to Him. Our sacrifice, our worship must be living and holy and well-pleasing. We are a living sacrifice, not a dead one. God desires active service, not dead ritual. We are a holy sacrifice. God demands service to be from a pure heart, undefiled by sin and wholly devoted to Him. We are a pleasing sacrifice. Our service is useless unless our supreme ambition is God's pleasure. When we think about the mercies of God overflowing to us through the person of Christ, how can we do less than give ourselves holy to God, to pay our vows of faithfulness. It is our conscious and consecrated devotion to serve God. It is a reasonable service of worship. It is our determined, logical, rational, and spiritual service of worship to God to give Him all that we are. The reasonable response to the God who has saved us the conqueror of the, the creator of the cosmos, the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave, is to give him all that we are. We give him everything. But not only do we give him everything, we make our praise personal when we uh, recite to others the good news of God's rescuing love in our lives. Look at verse 16. He says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what God has done for my soul. I'm telling you, the, the personal aspect of worship always leads to witness. Witness to those around us. Witness to our family and our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors and our classmates. It always moves to witness. Verse 16 says, I will declare. That word for declare in the Hebrew language means I will recite. I'll make a list. I will declare in great detail. I'll give you the, 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 the trees as well as the forest. I want you to understand that God has done everything for me. Let me tell you about it. And here we are 
cringing in the shadows when some religious topic comes up, afraid to uh, say anything. But, oh, friends, be filled with the Spirit and speak. This is an act of worship to testify. Are you testifying? I'm not talking about, um, here's what, again, in our culture, and our context today, what we think we're doing is not really what we're doing. If, if, if our voice, especially on social media platforms, if our voice is to defend conservative values, if that's our testimony, I'm not saying we shouldn't de- defend conservative values. I'm not saying that at all. But that's not testifying to the greatness of God's great love in your life. That's just defending conservative values. You want to give testimony to the greatness of God's love in your life? Stop talking about politics. Start talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's changed your life. That's what gives you hope. That's what gives us confidence in the face of every circumstance. An act of worship gives testimony. A personal act of worship is where we testify to others around us. Oh, here. What God has done for me. And as we give testimony, and as we make worship personal, uh, we find confidence. And that ends this chapter. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his steadfast love from me. Friends, we live in the midst of a crazy world, but we belong to the God who loves us, and we're recipients of his steadfast love, his faithful love through Jesus. So even in the midst of the crazy, our worship stands and makes us secure. You know, right now in the comments section, or maybe just in your journal since it's personal worship, will you begin to testify what God has done for you? Today, my prayer for you is that your worship would give you eyes to see God and His love and His grace, His majesty, His holiness, and His truth. I pray that in our worship, we would see ourselves bankrupt souls in need of a rescuer, helpless beings in need of a conqueror, a warrior to stand with us. And we would see ourselves through the lens of His grace, forgiven Sons and daughters, shame wiped away through the forgiving love that God has purchased for us through the death of Christ on a cross. Victorious. The victory belongs to those who belong to God. And we are victorious. I pray that as we worship God, we would see Him as He is. We would see ourselves as we are. But I pray that we would also see others that we would see the hurt and the distance and the despair of their hearts because they're distanced from God. We would see the pain in their soul and the limp in their step because they're walking in a way not pleasing to God. That we would see them, even the most hostile toward us, through the lens of God's love. And that we would be courageous enough to tell them the truth, that the only hope that they have in this life or in eternity is through faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that we would see each other clearly, and that we would see each other as people in need of of encouragement and comfort and strength and truth-telling, that we would see each other as family 
family, brothers and sisters, navigating life's journey together. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, and may he be gracious to you. May he bless your coming in and your going out. May he fill your life with joy as we worship him with our whole heart. God bless you, and good night.